0: Welcome back, my beautiful people. Welcome to the August 10th edition of Down City, our 27th show. I like that number. The only thing better than 27 is 28, and that's soon coming. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, everybody. Rob Martinez in the background, our producer, Vince Mercadetti, ready to kick today's show off. Vince, how you doing, baby?
1: I'm doing great. Now that you pointed out, it's episode 27. There, I mean, there's no better number in, in all of baseball, so I'm, uh, I'm excited for today. You're rocking the hat that that makes up for me today. But uh, yeah, we have a lot to get to as usual. This should be a, pr- a good show. Uh, we have, of course, the latest in COVID updates and crisis. Uh, we'll also be getting into some updates for players around the league, uh, updates around the league in general, team performance. And um, and we're going to get to plays of the week, highlights, home runs as usual. We'll choose our boon-headed play of the week, and that'll – That'll wrap it up uh, with games to watch going forward. So Henry, how? Let's start on a personal note. How was the vacation? Too so short. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> always is, right?
0: And you can see the backdrop is back to normal. There's no pool in the background. There's no kids grilling. I mean, just this is good, but I like the other scene better, man.
1: Yeah, you're well. You're back in your element, just maybe not the element you want to be in, right?
0: He topped it off uh took the kids white water rafting yesterday so i'm sore everywhere ass cheeks are sore man believe it or not you sitting on the top of that raft bumper <laughs> i think we did a level four so it was about 16 17 miles uh we were in the water for about five hours so
1: wow what we well, your deep. family
0: you're yeah are just uh, different. no we had about 27 people deep
1: oh wow okay yeah.
0: so you so didn't have to do stay. anything I'm yeah i'm feeling it today
1: well, uh, yeah, your, your rafting trip kind of symbolic of this baseball season so far. It's been a uh, little bit of murky waters, a little bit of extra effort in there today. But I would say MLB is in pretty good shape compared to uh, where it's been earlier in the season. And that is because we have one team with an outbreak now, not two or three. Uh, Marlins, we'll get to them a little bit later. They seem to be over their COVID problems. The Phillies have no players who are positive. Um, They're back to playing. Now we have the St. Louis Cardinals, America's darling. Um, And they are in bad shape. They've got 10 players who are positive. I just learned this because I've wondered the same thing many fans have wondered, which is, OK, you have players who are positive. Just bring in the alternate site guys, and you can keep playing and not screw over teams like the Cubs, who were red hot, and then they had to have their series canceled. But it didn't occur to me you have to wait <laughs> for the negatives of the rest of the team um, so you know, so you don't start con- you know to spread the virus to players who are pure, so to speak. So that's why the Cardinals have to keep canceling games Still on a major deal. Their schedule is going to be certainly difficult to make up uh, with the amount of games they've missed, and they just canceled this Pirates series that was supposed to start today. So Cardinals still in trouble. Ten players positive, no small number. That's the bad news. The good news is that outside of the teams that they're scheduled to play really doesn't affect anyone else in baseball, and everyone else in baseball, no positive tests. So we're in good shape as a sport. Cardinals are in bad shape. Uh, and I know that Cubs fans were letting them have it all weekend.
0: Yeah, that numbers look good. Um, you know, not just ten Cardinals. You have some some pretty significant Cardinal names in there. They have a lot of seven inning games coming up, man.
1: <laughs> a lot of them, yeah.
0: There was, uh, and I will say, MLB players have been doing a good job. Um, I did see someone was sent home today, and the name is Zach, Zach Yeah, yeah on man. the Indian team. Zach, Zach So So, uh, something. I guess he didn't. Uh, I read the headline. Only say he didn't. Uh, adhere to the protocols, he did something, went somewhere, and they sent his yes. ass home.
1: He broke quarantine and did something dumb that I can't remember. If you guys are watching, let us know the dumb thing that Dan plays at or Zach plays at. Dan's son, did to uh, get himself a slap on the wrist from the Indians, which kudos to the Indians, you know, for, for stepping up and, and taking action into their own hands. This is what the Marlins, you know, should have been doing. Um, Especially
0: when they could use the help, they could use him.
1: Yeah. uh, yeah, And we're talking about the Indians here. This is not a team that, you know, isn't destined to be a playoff contender. They absolutely have the pitching to to be in the mix and they're in the division to be in the mix. So, um, and they're above 500 right now. So yeah, I mean, kudos to the Indians taking action in their own hands. Hello to everyone, Alan. I know that uh, Alan joining us every week. Jake Moses, we got Sean, we got Brian, Manuel. Manuel we
0: got, we um, got Manuel making Latinos look bad like always, always being late, man. Come on, we can't let that stereotype. <laughs> hey, Andy, come on, baby.
1: Fan favorite, Eddie, and of course, my favorite, Renee, uh, to tell you that baseball is not coming to Puerto Rico. So yeah. <laughs> uh, that works for me. So, yeah, so, I mean, that, that's the status of the Cardinals. They're the only problem child, that's the good news. Bad news is their problem's not quite over yet. Um, I would think that the Pirates were the last casualty, but I guess we'll see, we can't control that. So those are your COVID updates. Not much of them, only took five minutes, I like that. Let's get to player updates um, and we will start with a Yankee edition because it's worthy. Now that one is an injury and one is not an injury, we'll start with the injury. Giancarlo Stanton, as usual, has hurt himself. He ran from first to second and he now has heard his hamstrings and he'll be out for God knows how long because in Yankee years or time, two weeks could be two months, could be a year and a half. <laughs> so we don't know what's going on with Stan.
0: You know, Stan, man, that's, that's a guy I uh, I get behind, man. I think he's gotten a raw deal from fans. He was my MVP pick. He still is. He can come back from this uh, hopefully in ten days. I doubt it, but he can Um I mean, he was hot, I man. He His on-base percentage was four fifty-three. He was hitting two ninety-three. His OPS was .138. 1030, his OPS plus was one ninety-four. Yeah. I mean, he was patient. You know, he wasn't striking out a ton. You know, he was putting the ball in the play, getting on base. And, unfortunately, he got hurt. And, you know, I know what everyone's going to say. Here we go again. You know, you know, cue all the jokes. But, you know, hopefully he can get back and get back to killing that ball. Because, you know, him batting fourth, you know, between – uh you know, right after Glaber and before Judge is, is, is a good spot for him in that, in that lineup, and he's been doing damage. I know Judge has been getting all the highlights, but, you know, Stanton's been right there with him without without the Ks and with a higher batting average, and, you know, Stanton's been doing his thing.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's the frustrating thing. By the way, PlaySac was visiting friends. That's right. He like, met up with friends or something. Nothing ma- yeah, nothing major. Those friends happen to be
0: sure. wonder if they had good <laughs> things like Magic City.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, No, I'm with you. I mean, what's frustrating is that Stanton looked really good. And right, and most of us, whether we love the Yankees or hate the Yankees, knew this would be a promising year for him because there's no fans, which I think everyone can unite in thinking that that's a good thing for Giancarlo Stanton. Um, So now he's hurt after getting off to a hot start. As far as it affects the Yankees, it's a very interesting scenario because maybe for the first time ever – the Yankees have so much depth, it's, it's a detriment right now. Last year, it was fantastic. They had 30 injured players. They had enough depth. First team ever in my book who had that many injuries. Well, they are the first team with that many injuries, but also to overcome that and make it to the ALCS was an incredible feat. This year, it's working against them because they don't have many injuries. Severino's out for the season. You have like Higgy, their backup catcher, who's hurt. But other than that, until yesterday, really no one else is hurt on the Yankees. Uh, they're 10-6, and six. had a rough week, but Stanton goes down, and now you have <laughs> Clint Frazier was called up today, and he wasn't even the best choice, but they had to do it because they sent down Miguel Andujar earlier this week because there wasn't room for him either. So Andujar is down. He stays down another 10 days or so. Yankees get another year of control. I really think that's what the that's all about.
0: The only reason that he's down. They, yeah. They're playing the smart game. Whether it, in, it helps us in the long run or it helps us trade value, that's the only reason they're doing it because he's the logical choice.
1: Yeah, and I saw it compared to the Chris Bryant situation, which it is isn't on its head, but really it's not because there's a legitimate reasons for Miguel Andujar to be sent down. They really didn't have at-bats for him in left field at first base or at DH because you've got guys like Ford, Voight, Stanton, uh, Talkman, and Gardner and he was competing for, play, for playing time. So it was legitimate to send him down.
0: Yeah, I agree. There's no place for him, unfortunately, because I do think His bat is very different than the power bats that we have. You put his bat in that lineup, now you have a a Gio Urshela or DJ LeMahieu type bat, you know, a spray hitter. He can hit the ball line to line, you know. going to take deep counts. He's going to get on base. He's going to, you know, it's not just a guy that's going to sit back hit 260 and hit 30 to 40 bombs. He's a legit hitter.
1: And to me, you know, I think now baseball life's starting to get wise to what my offensive philosophy is. Uh, I like a balanced lineup. doesn't always mean taking the best hitters. Like Luke Voigt, I totally recognize, is a a very good hitter. If you look at his his baseball card, he's not a good hitter for the Yankees lineup. He's not a good fit for the team. Uh, I feel this way when I compare Clint Frazier to Miguel Andujar. I've been very hard on Frazier and – to my credit, he has not proven really anything at the major league level in any meaningful sample size. But the kid has a lot of talent. I'm well, you know, I, I perfectly acknowledge that. My problem is Duhar is a better fit for this lineup because he makes contact, he's aggressive, he doesn't strike out that much, he puts the ball in play, he could drive in runs. That's a better fit for me with the, what the rest of the lineup looks like than a guy like Frazier, freak of nature physically. Uh, he can hit home runs with the best of them, but the Yankees have 12 guys who can do that. So, and Duhar the better fit, Frazier the better fit right now. We'll see how it goes over the next two weeks, and then we'll see if there's a change, and we'll see if Stanton's coming back, which I'm not going to hold my breath on.
0: No, I agree with you. It's a matter of balance at this point and who helps us in what areas. You can't have all 260 hitters that hit home runs. You just can't. You got to balance the lineup.
1: So that's the update on Stanton. Now, the update on Cole – is not uh, Garrett Cole is not an injury update. It's not a performance update per se. He's been fine. He's three and zero, and he has like a two something ERA. Exactly what you expect from Garrett Cole. Uh, there was a story that came out over this week, Henry, that was uh, pretty obviously <laughs> pine tar on Cole's hat. Uh, of course, Amazing. Amazing. a certain <laughs> a certain segment of the baseball fandom population ran with this story. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you look, we, we totally acknowledge. I was obviously pine tar on his head. Um, it wasn't as bad as Pineda's neck, but it's still pine tar, and it's still on his ne- on his head, and it's still illegal as far as baseball goes. Um,
0: it, 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 it's that thing. It's that thing, you know, you get a little sweat, you get the rosin, you get something to make your fingers sticky. Do I think it was pine tar? Probably. Um,
2: yeah, one
0: it of was those something. Like, <laughs> one of those things like looking in and trying to steal a sign. It's not like relaying signs through a you know right. technologically advanced scheme, but you know people will try to point everything to say look what we did, look what
1: right. you did. It um yeah the first thing to point out is it's not systemic. <laughs> it's not every Yankee pitcher has been caught doing this. It seems to be Garrett Cole. You can point to the humorous irony Cole came from the Astros. Um, but
0: there was a comment I want to say, I can't remember there was somebody in in the group that had like. The greatest comment it was something like you can take the astro uh, out of the playoff yes. out of the Astro but you can't take
1: the astro I believe that was one of our Mets fans and I can't remember if it was Andrew or Sean or that someone else. It was
0: but. a fantastic comment that literally had me laughing out of it.
1: You know what I think it was Jake Moses. I think it was a Mets fan. I'm pretty sure Jake and I'm pretty sure he's watching he said that yes yeah I, I noted um again I'm not torn up over it not because it's it I mean it is illegal and I, I totally acknowledge that The reason I'm not torn up over it is because several players have come out and said that they would prefer pitchers to do this. So it's illegal, but guys like Dustin Pedroia back in the day, Adam Jones, uh, there's been like two or three others, like Bryce Harper.
0: Here's the thing. thing. If you get caught doing it, it's an immediate ejection, a fine, and maybe a suspension. Right. Yeah, and so this is
1: the thing. It's illegal if they investigate it. And, and and here's the other thing. No one reported this. <laughs> like when Pineda had it on his neck, the Red Sox reported it. Pineda gets ejected and suspended. That's fair. I will
0: never let that go. My man's
1: neck was glistening. Just obvious. It was the I mean, worst pint, pe- pine tar job in history.
0: Damn, dude, I can't defend this shit. I'm not, my man's neck looked no. like on the bridges.
1: Totally illegal. In Cole's case, the other team didn't report it, which leads me to believe they don't care that much. Several players, including the three I named, have come out in the past and said they prefer pitchers to use it because they'd rather that than be hit, right. uh, you know, possibly somewhere like the head or neck that's dangerous. So they'd prefer that pitchers use it. And on top of that, um, it's, you know, it's not a team thing. It's a Garrett Cole thing. Now, if Garrett Cole did get reported and suspended, fine. I, Unlike some other fan bases, I'm willing to accept punishment when the Yankees do something wrong, as long as it's proven they do something wrong. So that's where we are with Garrett Cole. Does it surprise me if he's using pine tar in certain games? Not at all. It doesn't surprise me if any pitcher in baseball does that, regardless.
0: Play with Justin Verlander, Come on.
1: Yes. And speaking of Verlander, he's having some ouchies. Uh, Justin Verlander coming out. Uh, this is a, a Dong City prediction that was a gimme, I think, Henry, that uh, we said on this show when he came down with his – for his strain, his forearm strain, or whatever—that uh, that was not the end of it. I mean, he was gonna—he he will not step back on the field in, in a meaningful game this season. He he might try and ramp up at some point, but he's I not coming say, back on the field this year.
0: I will repeat what I said. I think his career is done.
1: I, I, and there's others who, who see that, uh, who feel that way. And I'm not going to rule it out because, again, the forearm strain is a precursor to Tommy John. We've seen it several times in the last year with pitchers. They get this second and third opinion that says, okay, you don't need to do Tommy John. And then they just waste a month or two and end up getting it anyway. And if Verlander gets it at any point, his career's probably over. So, logical leap.
0: My favorite was, was Dusty Baker's, you know, as I say, the no-shit quote of the week, which was, you know, uh, Verlander's not pro- progressing as quickly as they'd like to. And I'm thinking, no shit. Yeah,
1: because his arm's <laughs> being held together by like thumbtacks.
0: Remember uh, all the all the fuss that Justin Verlander? Oh, people, you know, went out of control. This is all nothing. Remember all that right after yeah. people were reporting it? Well, here you go. Yeah. Right,
1: exactly. <laughs> we, got, we got Rob coming in here with the classic troll drop. There's Kate Upton. she he knows he's going to need t- Tommy John.
0: If you remember, there is a video of me somewhere in baseball life at the playoff game. I think it was a playoff game. Was it? Play- yeah, I think it was a playoff game against Houston uh, where we hit Verlander. And I just happened to hold up a picture of his wife, you know, wearing the Yankee cap. And I might have been a little influenced. But, you know,
1: that was great. Yeah, yeah. I think that was game five last year, right? The last one at Yankee City.
0: I I don't remember a lot Hicks
1: course. hit the three-run homer off him in the first inning. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, so Verlander having setbacks, no surprises there. He's going to have many of them until he realizes that it's a serious injury. Um, yes, Brian, uh, yeah. So, in case you're keeping count at home, if Cole were to be suspended, that would be more games than the entire Astros team got. So, very fair point. Uh, other updates here. Marcus Stroman going to the other side of the river. <laughs> Marcus Stroman has opted out for the season. It is Bruh. like the 19th punch in the dick if you're a Mets fan, and we aren't even three weeks into the season yet.
0: Bruh, when that trade happened, I called it a horrible trade. A lot of people called it a horrible trade. Yes. And Mets fans came storming in, you know, with their fire picks and axe and everything. No, this is a good trade. We're going for it. Horrible trade. They traded Anthony Kay. Who, for the record, is currently 1.13 ERA with a 0.075 WHIP, and Simeon Woods Richard Simple's on the verge of getting called up the minute his service time gets hit, and Marcus Stroman has gotten hurt twice. Now he's opting out, and the Mets get nothing for that trade. Yeah. They get nothing.
2: And Absolutely
0: even, nothing. Even if you, I, I've heard the defense that no, these guys aren't the end of be all. Even if they're not the guys you thought they could be. They were still assets that you could have traded for something else.
1: That's how the main it? point I think a lot of people are missing, and th- this was a prediction before Dong City was a show because it happened last year. And Henry and I agreed on this, argued about it in the in the group, and everything else. Um, yeah, it, look, it, it was a it was a rookie GM not recognizing the state of his franchise. That's how I saw it. I said it earlier today, and I'll say it bears repeating. Brody looks at his team last year and says, we're only like six games out of the playoffs or whatever they were, five games out of the playoffs. And he says, let's go for it. Now, that's a great strategy.
0: Hey, if you, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. Before you continue, remember, they weren't, it wasn't just the number of games that they were behind. They it had was the a a teams. teams that yes. They were to, had to hop
1: over. That's what I'm getting at. They, he's a handful. So it's a handful of games. But the two things here that annoyed me right off the bat about the Mets being buyers last year was one, they were behind, I believe, six teams at the time. And if you add that up, that means they probably had the 10th or 11th best record in the NL at the time. And they're trying to make a wild card at that point because the division wasn't up for grabs, just a playoff spot was. You add all of those elements together. If you're a team like the Brewers and you need to get a CC Sabathia, great. I understand it. They don't have too many shots at, at getting a window here. They go for it. team like the Reds this year, pretty much all in. You know, they have a lot of expiring contracts. Uh, I get it. When you are the Mets and you are a big market team, and even your payroll now is at least high end of mid, even if it's not as high as, say, the Yankees in the same city, you don't do moves like that. And Brody, being a rookie GM, looks at that team, says we can make a playoff spot out of this. Who gives a shit? The Mets had no chance last year being a World Series contender. None. And if you look at that organization, they don't have the depth to do things like this. They have a great core. Henry and I both like their core. We both thought it was playoff caliber core this year. They have good they have a, a good one-two punch in the rotation, and they had a nice set of veterans before they got hurt in the back of the rotation. But what they don't have is organizational depth, and they don't have an elite farm system. So when you're Brody last year, and the Probability of you just to make the playoffs is very low because their schedule is also getting difficult, which we pointed out. And on top of that, it's just making the playoffs it doesn't make you a World Series contender. And on top of that, you go for a player like Marcus Stroman, who's probably a good number three on a World Series contender. He's not an ace. Like if they do this, dude. If they do this move for an ace, and then this year you're going in with DeGrom, Noah, and another ace, fine. But Stroman wasn't necessarily going to move the needle this year with the team that they were gonna have. And he makes an organization even thinner. And like Henry said, those two pitching prospects could have been used for several other things. It has nothing to do with if those pro- prospect pass uh, pan out or not. It has everything to do with the fact they were collateral for another move that could have improved the team and added depth. They didn't do it, they did the opposite. And because they went and got Stroman, they held on to Zach Wheeler and didn't deal with him either. So it compounded the problem.
0: I wanna so, address the comment that Jacob made because I've heard that defense too that Strowman was a replacement for Zach Wheeler, who they could have easily just have kept. But my thing is, if there's one thing the Mets do, is they have a good eye, they have a good scout for pitching. So here you have two guys who are two really good arms. One of them is already pitching in the major leagues for Toronto. I trust the Mets in, in developing pitching a hell of a lot more than I trust the Blue Jays. So yeah. now you're telling me if the Blue Jays knew that Anthony Kay could come up and pitch these years, the Mets, the Mets didn't know that? Or, you know, they couldn't have known that? Yeah. I think K could have pitched for the Mets and do equally or better job as Stroman and filling in the job at a fraction of the cost.
1: They could have had two major league caliber pitchers. Whether you want to put K as a five starter, whether you want to make him a bulk reliever, whatever you want to say his ceiling is. Uh, obviously, you know Simmons Richardson is still a fantastic prospect and he's major league ready. However you want to slice that, that was two arms instead of Marcus Stroman, and Marcus Stroman wasn't an arm that was going to put you from not playoff team to World Series contender, and his contract was expiring after this year. All of those were factual before the pandemic and before anything else happened, and the Mets went and ran with it anyway, and that's what I would have a problem with, and Jake, I I mean, we just disagree as far as where the Mets were last year. This was a team that was struggling with 500 and, and was the 10th or 11th best team in the NL. They go and get Stroman. They may have been hot at one point, but they faded after they got Stroman, which only further validates my point that getting Stroman wasn't going to put them over some hill.
0: You know what's funny is uh, when the trade happened, I was frustrated, one, because I thought the Mets overpaid for a guy they really didn't need. And two, it took us out of the running because the Yankees were in a position for Marcus Stroman, if you recall. Right. And right. we dodged that bullet. Thank you, Mike. Yeah. Well, the
1: Yankees missed out on Wheeler and Strowman because of that deadline because the Mets weren't willing to deal Wheeler, and they took Strowman. Um, mm-hmm. But, again, as many times happens with Brian Cashman, it's the moves he doesn't make that turns out to be the best ones, except for Giancarlo Stanton so far. So, <laughs> that's, uh, so, um,
0: so um, that 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 deal is going to pay dividends.
1: That. Well, here's the good news. I don't, don't think, to my knowledge, I well, to my knowledge, I don't think anything the Yankees gave up has turned into anything yet, right? Because that wasn't the Caleb Smith deal.
0: No, that was guy. No, that wasn't Gallegos. That was.
1: And Gallegos was heat yeah,
0: That was. Uh, was
1: Cash, Garrett, Garrett Cooper.
0: Which again, we have him twice over.
1: Right. We gave
0: up some something that that's currently on the Marlins roster. I think.
1: Yeah, I don't remember, but it wasn't that deal. And yes, Brian, the thunderstorms are in my area, and they're very loud. And I apologize. I
0: heard, thought I heard some.
1: Yeah, it's like it's cool, not even bro. raining. It's just very Florida thunder, just booming it, thunder. It, it's
2: still rehabbing for the Mets. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah
1: that that's my inner soul angry about the Mets two thousand nineteen trade deadline. Uh, so. Anyway, so that, that's the update on Marcus Stroman. He's out for this season. He'll walk right into free agency at the end of this year. You can slice it however you want. It's not a pretty sign. Um, Rob, we haven't gotten to a game update yet, but I'll just throw this one out there since there's only one game with a score, and that score is ugly, and that is the Phillies beating the Braves 12-1. That game's in the fourth. It was 10-1 after two. Um, Sean Newcomb just is not a major league pitcher. He gave up eight runs in an inning and a third. Braves are in trouble as far as their pitching staff goes. They've got some things they're dealing with on their end, namely Fulte and Sirocco are both out for the – probably forever uh, for this year. But, uh, yeah, they've got some problems. So, Philly's just beating the hell out of the Braves right now.
0: Going back to that Stanton trade, it was Jorge Guzman and saved Devers.
1: Yes, that's right. And either – I mean, granted, they may turn into something one day, but so far they haven't. They were both, like, A-level prospects at the time. Um, So, anyway, so that's the Stroman update. Now let's get to the rest of the league – a lot of surprising things going on right now in Major League Baseball. And part of it, you can obviously call sample size. We were at roughly 14 to 16 games for most of the league, minus teams like the Cardinals. Um, but you look around the league, Henry, and the, here's here's the fascinating teams. Uh, we'll go with the, the fascinating teams that I didn't think would be good that are doing well so far. The Orioles are 500, and they're currently tied for second place, seven and seven. I called that – the Tigers are 8-5, and five, which is even more surprising to me than the Orioles being 7-7. Seven and seven. Um, The nothing else really in the AL as far as bad teams overachieving. Now, the Marlins are 7-3 and three in the NL and in first place right now. Uh, or I guess they're a half game back from the Braves, but they've they're got a the lot of games way, to make.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, they, they've got a big differential there. And then you've got uh, the Rockies are maybe the biggest surprise in baseball at this point. They're 11-4, and four, and they're actually ahead of the Dodgers by a half game. I don't think that's going to last, but that's pretty amazing because I didn't think the Rockies were anything other than the mediocrity they always are.
0: I mean, after a couple of weeks, the, the AL kind of balanced out the way we thought they would. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I think we all had those three uh, division leaders, the Yankees, the Twins, and Oakland.
1: Yeah, that part's normal.
0: Did you say Detroit.
1: Yep, Detroit's in second. They're a half game behind the Twins. And to clean up the rest of the AL, the Rays are only 500. That's after they just took three out of four from the Yankees. So they are actually underachieving, I think, significantly. And they just never get the press for doing it. But, yeah, they're currently two games still back of the Yankees, even after taking three out of four. Uh, the White Sox are 500, which is about what I think both of us probably expected. The Indians are ahead of them, though, at 10 and 7. So, I guess you, yeah, it's a little surprising. Uh, and then everyone else in the AL West. I mean, it's the bad teams now. Angels five and eleven, worst team in the in the AL, which we didn't have them in the playoffs, but we didn't have them that bad.
0: Well, someone I mean, had them in the playoffs, not us.
1: Yeah, right. And no, we wouldn't do that on this show. No. Um, and then of course you've got the uh, the Red Sox six and nine. Everyone expected that. But the Astros six and nine. We're going to get to the Astros in a second here. But um, yeah, so I mean, that's the AL. To your point, Henry, the Orioles being 500 and the Tigers being 8-5, and five, I think, are the only two somewhat surprising things. And that I will chalk off to sample size. I don't know about you.
0: I, I agree. I, I am shocked that Seattle is not in last place. I know they're half a game behind uh, ahead of L.A. I just, man, that team just sucks, bro. They have a negative 38 run differential. They, they're scoring at a decent clip. You know, they have 66 runs, which, you know, kind of puts them actually a little bo- above average they they've allowed 104 runs it's just that's bad they had <laughs> defense it's just brutal yeah that's bad um and like you said Colorado i mean my love my hats off to them i did not expect that kind of start they can score we knew they could score but you know they are pitching and they're playing defense you know they only allowed 40 49 runs positive uh, 31 run differential they're 73 their last 10 games. They're, they're, they're kicking ass. So I didn't think the Rockies had it in them. But, hey, they're, they're in first place. you got to give them their move.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, sustainable so far. Now, the NL, we expected to be crazier than the AL anyway because the AL is just very top-heavy. And with an expanded playoff, you can play around a little bit. But for the most part, the juggernauts in the AL were going to be the juggernauts in the AL. And Henry and I were not at all fooled by the AL West. We both had the A's winning the division, and they're just as good as I thought they would be.
0: And we were called haters.
1: Right, um, now the NL, I have a couple of things I have to own up to. <laughs> One is that um, right now, my Reds division winner predictions looking terrible because just like last year they're off to a terrible start and they're seven and nine. And coupled with that, I said the Cubs would not be a playoff team. I'm not willing to rule that out quite yet, but they are 10 and three. they are in first place and they already have a four game lead in their division alone, not to mention are right up there for best record in the NL. So yeah. now that the Cubs, uh, again, I'll throw this caveat out. They have played basically no one who's over – I don't think they've played anyone over 500 yet. Uh, but to the Cubs' credit, they're beating up on bad and mediocre teams. And really, if you look at the central divisions outside of the Twins, you're probably going to mostly play that all season. So I think it's sustainable for the Cubs with no bullpen whatsoever – with Tyler Chatwood as, like, their three-starter or whatever, uh, the Cubs could probably keep this up at least well enough to definitely make the playoffs and probably win the division.
0: You know what's funny? Uh, I, I agree with that. The Cubs are the sec- second-best team right now, second-hottest team, I should say. They're 8-2 and two in their last 10 games. The only team hotter than them was Oakland, and Oakland has been on fire. And they came stumbling out the gate. Could you? They have a five-game lead already. Could you imagine if they not come stumbling out that gate?
1: Yeah, right. They're twelve and four, and they struggled at one point.
0: Yeah, they they could have easily they could have easily have one or two losses on.
1: Yeah, they've won nine out of ten. They're winning exactly how I thought, which was through pitching. Twenty-three run differential. That's not crazy when you're eight games over five hundred already.
0: Chapman and Olson are starting to pick it up this week. They both had much better weeks. Um, they had back-to-back home runs, I think, yesterday as well. So.
1: Yeah, so, okay.
0: yeah. They a- got their first win thanks to them.
1: Yeah, a- A's are hot. Uh, they really might. They're probably best positioned. Mm, them and the twins are definitely better positioned to wrap up home field than the Yankees are. It wouldn't okay. shock me at all if the Yankees ended up a three or even possibly a four seed, depending on if the Rays did come back and win the division. Um, but we kind of look at it in the preseason, like Yankees and Rays will be the first and second best team. Well, we're really looking at record-wise, they might be the third and fourth best team just based on who the other teams are playing competition wise. The East isn't going anywhere, especially when you're the Yankees and you split with the teams like the Phillies, like you just can't do that. So uh, Rockies, I think are sustainable Cubs, I think are sustainable. And I, you know, I'm not buying the Tigers nor Reels. I I still think that's going to fall apart. I think the Marlins will fall apart eventually Um, but no one so far in the NL East wants to really go on a tear and take that division yet. So,
0: I mean, who who had Washington in last place right now? No one.
1: Yeah, but four and seven. (laughs) You know, like they're not – it's not like they're two
0: and ten. Blank of an eye, they can, you know, run on a hot streak. You know, Oakland was nine and one. I can see see Washington going on a nice little streak. Um, Same with the Phillies. Phillies uh, smacked the Yankees around a little bit.
1: Yeah, those are, those are underachieving series. If you look at the two talent levels of those two teams, um, Rob, why don't you uh, give us a quick game update? We do have an update in score, and then we're going to get into our plays of the week, and I'll intro that as far as uh, there's a theme for the plays of the week to at least start. So, Rob, what what do we have for scores?
2: Uh, for the scores, we still the score is still uh, Phillies twelve, um, Braves one. Um, the Nats are up by up on the Nats on the Mets on the bottom of the second, one nothing. I, I Correct myself. We um just underway. The Sox and the and the Tigers are are underway. Uh, so are the Rays and the Red Sox. Late games. Um, the Twins and the Brewers start at 8:10. We have the Diamondbacks and the Rockies 8:40 start. You have the Mariners and the Rangers 9:05 start. We got the Giants and the uh, Astros and a 9:10 start. You got the hot um Oakland A's against the Angels 9:40 start. You have the Padres and Again, the Dodgers It should be a good game. And uh, one postponed, postponed series. That's the, uh, pay, pay, the Pittsburgh Pirates and the St. Louis Cardinals. Back to you.
1: All right, thank you. So, yeah, so those are your scores right now. Um, let's get into the highlights. I, I didn't mention the Padres. I mean, look, they're nine and seven. I, I know that they have a lot of exciting things going on, but that's not really here nor there for me. But we will get to the Padres in a second later here, too. So let's get into our plays of the week. Um, We're going to start with one team who has really had a bad week, and that's the Houston Astros. We purposely didn't talk about them too much. They are 6-9 overall, but they just finished a 1-5 week, and it started with this highlight in the beginning of the week. This is Cole Calhoun batting against Lance McCullers, who's a piece of shit. And there's Cole Calhoun hitting it into the corner. It is not gone for the record. It goes off the fence, and now let's watch them go to the races. Uh, this is <laughs> right there bouncing around, a little bobble there. Probably, yeah, there's a terrible relay. You don't even have a chance now. That's Altuve, Mighty Mouse, tr- struggling to pick up the ball because it weighs as much as him. And that's an inside-the-park home run, making it 4-2. It would be downhill from there, and McCullers would claim that it is weather-related because the roof opened and he gave up eight runs because he's a little bitch. And that is uh, that was the Astros losing that game. They would then go 1-5. Wasn't even the worst thing that happened to them that week with the inside the park home run. Rob, you have our next clip. It's coming. I could feel it. There's, uh, yeah, there's a yeah. There's a It's coming. Hold on. Okay. So well, let's <laughs> intro it here. I mentioned Jose Altuve. Not a very big guy. He struggles to pick things up. They weigh a lot of. You know, they weigh they weigh too much for him sometimes. In this case, he was struggling. I think to uh, hold his glove. So, here's the first play. This is Altuve. Nice little throw, except it went 17 feet wide. Uh, There's another one. Uh, Can't handle that one. Here's another one. Oh, gloves too short. Need a bigger wig span. Here's a fly ball. Oh, that's a Louis Castillo. Uh, There's your throw home. Doesn't matter. It's a terrible play. That's Altuve making, I think, Henry, what what did we say? Three errors he got credited with. Really should have been four. I'm guessing that was the one that wasn't.
0: He got credited for two, should have been four, so some generous scoring there.
1: Yeah, so let's never bring up things like Altuve's defense. This is another thing that just drove me up a wall in 2017, by the way, is people wanted to pretend Altuve played good defense at second. He does not,
0: and well, that's a good example. Here's the thing with that. I've been saying Altuve is regressing defensively for a few years now, and, you know, you get labeled a hater because, you know, the Yankees have a little rivalry with them right now, but Altuve – is the, you know, three of the last four years he's negative, he's rated negatively defensively,
1: yeah. And you know, he's, he's only getting there. shorter, and so is his range. So, I mean, he's going to be four foot six at like age 34, and he's gonna have no range.
0: It's not just his, his range, though. I mean, even right now, his greatest offensive season was 2017. Shocker, right? Shocker, mm-hmm. And I know what people are going to say it's only 11 games. Well, went back and dug up what happened 11 games the last few years. 2015 after 11 games he was hitting 289 2016 he was hitting 295 2017 hitting 326 2018 oh. 357 last year after 11 games hitting 279 then you want to take a guess what he's hitting right now
1: uh I'm gonna say it's under 200
0: 146 after 11 games yeah, that's pretty good right it's- now his his war is 0.00. Which means he is the equivalent of a replacement player. Yeah,
1: pretty good. That's uh, that's a really great performance by the consistent Altuve, a guy who absolutely did not want any pitches uh, to be revealed before he was batting because he's such an unbelievable hitter. But mm-hmm. Henry, yeah, it's it's weird. You know, he his entire career is hitting pretty well after 11 games, and now these you know for a few years he explodes into a crazy like 330 hitter coincidentally, starting in 2017. And now the year when we know for with, without, without a doubt that there's no relay system of any kind, he's hitting 140. That's, it must be the fans, I guess, that are just putting, you know, he can't handle the fans, I think, that are probably heckling him at every game. That's got to be the reason why he's struggling so badly. Let's get to our next highlight. So now the Astros are pissed off, right? They've lost a few games. They're playing their their rival, the Oakland Athletics, who, by the way, just had a world tour performance uh as a franchise that's loriano getting hit because the astros don't know how to deal with their problems except to take it out on other people that's loriano getting hit because the astros don't know how to deal with their problems except take it out on other people now he's pissed loriano's like hey if you don't throw like an asshole you're not going to hit people and now he's walking over to first base and everything's calm and everyone's handling things fine including loriano who didn't charge the mound didn't throw a bet didn't do anything. He's going to first. The umpires are like, hey, don't, you know, attack things. Now we have a brawl. And the part that we missed here is that the first base coach or, or the batting coach, one of the two from the Astros, as soon as L'Oreal gets to first, starts heckling him mm-hmm. from the dugout. Uh, allegedly talked about his mom, yeah. <laughs> which which Henry, I'm sure fight. you can attest is no no.
0: Fighting words, man. You talk yeah. about
1: we fighting. So then he says, okay, you want a piece of me? We're going to go fight. And that's what happened. Uh, Of course, the outcome of this is that Oakland, I think, got two players ejected and possibly suspended. And to my knowledge, the Astros haven't been punished yet, despite the fact they hit him three times over the weekend, twice in that game, and initiated the argument at first base. So people want to keep asking why this Astros stuff comes up. Why are people still mad? You see situations like this. They're morons and assholes when they're great, and they're morons and assholes when they're not great. Uh, They're just a a despicable franchise with despicable, hateable players who are overrated now. We've we've confirmed all of that in this highlight reel.
0: Yeah, there's only one thing I think uh, Laureano should do. I think he needs to pick up the phone call Amir Garrett and say, yo, how do I get through the entire team to get to the coach? Because that's what Amir Garrett did last year, if you remember. He wanted to fight everybody when he was So I need more of that. He needs yeah. to get through to Amir Gaggle, see what's going on. Yeah, so the Astros having an
1: absolutely brutal week. Um, and now we get to someone else who's also having a, <laughs> had a brutal moment, we'll call it that way. This is Joe Adele, sweet Wait. name, Angels top prospect. Rookie trying to make a great first impression. And, Rob, let's play this one. Here's a fly ball out to right field. That's Adele going back. He's got it lined up. He's going to make this catch. Oh, it's off the glove, not the head at least, and over the wall for a home run. So Adele turns a fly ball that would have been a double if he wasn't there at all into a home run. That's a bad rookie moment.
0: That is Joe Adele's first home run of the season.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And that was Nick Solak, former Yankee, hitting the fly ball home run. So, thank you for that. Uh, Angels are just a disaster right now. And that is probably a great visual for what their season's been like.
0: Yeah, but they have Dylan Bundy. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, right. They've
1: got Cy Young, Dylan Bundy, and in case you couldn't tell from the twelve thousand posts this week, Mike Trout still plays in for the Angels, and he is still, yes, the best player in baseball. Uh, and, he and he had a kid.
0: The playoffs this year.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, and he will once again for the like tenth year in a row not play in a postseason game. So uh, that's the Angels. They're just brutal. I mean, they're. The Angels are underratedly poorly run. <laughs> like we shit on the Mets all the time and stuff like that, and the Marlins and the Pirates. The Angels are really right there with them, especially if you look at all the money they spend and don't get any output out of it.
0: It did get another home run for Pujols, so that's a good thing.
1: Yeah, the the one the one thing I was wrong about with the Angels that Albert Pujols would not be good, and he has been very good to his credit. So. Okay, uh, yeah, we got Noah. The, Noah, this might be our first Orioles tune-in here. Noah Penrod joined, and yes, Noah, hang your head up high. We praised the Orioles earlier. I don't think it's sustainable, but there you're seven and seven. You're hanging in there, and they're playing like somewhat quality baseball. And you look at a team like the Angels; they've got balls bouncing off their gloves for home runs. So, hey, Noah, welcome, uh, baby. Yeah, you got you got one team you can talk shit to right now. Uh, and you know what? Do the Red Sox too. You took two out of three from them. They're a mess. So there's that. Now, Rob. Speaking of teams that we shit on, here's the Pirates. This is Kevin Newman, one of their very boring prospects with a high ceiling. That's Tucker over there on third. Uh, let's play this clip. This was our only walk-off, to my knowledge, of the week. This was uh, against the Twins. A good team, 5-4-2 on ninth inning. That's up the middle. That's all it takes. 2-2 two, two pitch. This clip made me mad as a Yankee fan because I'm like 90% sure if that was the Yankees in that spot on a 2-2 count, they're striking out, they're stranding those guys on second and third, and they're losing game 5-4. But when you're the Pirates and you can't afford to have guys who strike out 200 times in your lineup, you had to walk off singles. So good for Kevin Newman and good for the Pirates. They got a win there and uh, took one from the Twins.
0: Yeah, definitely. I do. There is one one I want to mention um, who said something. I think it was Manny. Yeah, Manny mentioned the hundred Pence uh, gaffe, which cost Johnny Cueto a no-no. That was pretty brutal.
1: Yeah, that, that's a good point. Um, yeah, Jose Iglesias getting some love in the comment section, and he has been great. Uh, there's no getting around that. He's, not-
0: oh, he's been great since he's come up. I mean, he's one of those underrated dudes that just plays, 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 plays and no one talks about him.
1: Yeah, he kind of reminds me of Simba in that he was supposed to be like a defensive specialist, basically, but like a, you know, prolific defensive specialist. And instead, he's a pure hitter. Like that came out of nowhere.
0: Simba went went ahead and had one good season offensively, and everyone thought he was better than he is.
1: Right. Uh, yeah, Iglesias is held in proper perspective for what his skill set is. So, uh, yeah, so those are all the balls that stayed in the park, except for Adele's. Rob, why don't we get to the dongs of the week here?
2: Actually, uh, there and, was one more play that she did mention to to add in, and that was a Chris Taylor, uh, uh play that ended the game. Of the of versus the uh, it was the uh, Dodgers and the and the Padres game, and it was uh basically uh, gunned down all the way to home plate. I, mean, I threw a 93-mile-per-hour throw to catch the guy at home. Today. That was,
1: yeah. Taylor had a nice throw. Good yes, point. I, uh, I was, and I was also wrong. The Yankees got walked off on this week, so that was not the only walk-off. The <laughs> Twins Pirates yeah. uh, Rays had a yeah. to walk-off, too, with their backup catcher.
0: And so what Rob said, Chris Taylor's throw actually ended the game.
1: Yeah. That was yeah, a walk-off. I'm going I'm to
2: share that quick. Wait one second. Yeah, yeah all right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Bonus clip from up. Rob. Yeah.
0: yeah. Producer producing. Computer be pewing.
1: Yep. Dodgers have some decent arms out there, right? We saw Betts play last week. This is Taylor. I mean, that's a bullet. That's that's right on the line. That's gonna end it. That's a win from yeah, the Padres.
0: That's that the kind of stuff that I talk about. That, you know, that snowball effect. You know, you, you see Mookie do that, you know, you're more confident that you're throwing you, you know, anything you can do, I can do better kind of stuff. You know, that uh that friendly rivalry between teammates. That that stuff builds momentum, man.
1: Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Dude, they, didn't get that, they didn't get that win. They'd be behind an extra game.
1: Is there any benefit there on Justin Turner basically pretending like he's going to cut that ball off right there? I don't know if that was a legitimate reaction from him or some sort of strategy, but I can't imagine cutting off a ball that would end the game.
0: No, it looked like he flinched and, you know, he was about to do a Manny and then he realized, you know, I'm not doing it. Yeah. He's like, wait a minute,
1: there's no downside whatsoever.
0: I don't think it was a true deking. I think he just flinched real quick and then he said, okay, I'm going to let it go through.
1: That's what I kind of thought, too. Well, yeah, thank you, Rob, for that highlight. Uh, now we can get to Dongs of the Week, and this is fun because we it's an escalating Dongs of the Week segment here that I've put together for us. Um, Rob, let's get to the first one. We already saw one inside the park home run on the very terrible performance by the Astros defense. Here's another one. Uh, this is Kristen Yelich. We've probably heard of him. He's batting. This is early in the week against the White Sox. That is Eloy out there. Uh, oh, can't make the play. It's fair, and then he's going to take a nap. That's only just staying in the webbing. Yelich yeah, going to run a very rare inside-the-park home run hit by a lefty opposite field to left field, and he gets an inside-the-park home run, and also a very 20-20 inside-the-park home run because Aloy fell into the netting for, like, a few seconds here. Watch it again. Here's it in slow motion. I mean, it's like... That's just the most unathletic you could possibly look trying to make this play. Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah, and not kind
0: of making gun movies,
1: I know that was just like. Enrico. It's like an actor Enrico who's Blas. never played baseball acting as a baseball player. Like that's what that reminded me of. Um, a new appreciation, by the way, for Jeter diving into the stands in in that play. Everyone said it was dramatic. Well, you don't want to look like a moron like Aloy just did. So, perfectly reasonable. So, that's our first song of the week. Very rare. An opposite field, left field inside the park home run. Let's get to our next one. This is the complete opposite. And this is those upstart Padres. I know we wanted some Padres love on this show again. This is uh, – they're losing the Dodgers here, but the Padres, like I said, nine and seven, and a large part of it is this guy. Fern- Fernando Tatis Jr. has been white right hot And he hits a shitty 92-mile-per-hour pitch basically into another galaxy. I don't know where that landed still. I think maybe the concourse over the bleachers. But that was a bomb that I think they said was like 430. But this is one of those situations where if it was like 480, I'm not shocked at all. Um, But that was a colossal home run, which I didn't necessarily know Tatis had that kind of strength.
0: That was his fourth of his eight home runs so far.
1: Yeah. He, he has been
0: right on a
1: roll there. Lands, I just still don't know. You you just don't see a land. That was a a, a Stanton watch
2: Judge close, type home run. Watch closely. It's right around there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Right wow. where the
2: camera's at.
1: Just a crazy long home run there off Ross Stripling. Um, So, yeah, so we saw the shortest home run. We saw probably the longest home run of the week. Now let's see the most dramatic home run of the week. That belongs to old, old, old rival Nick Marcakis, who is still kicking. He opted out of the season and then back into it. Now he probably wishes he could opt back out of it once he took a look at his pitching staff on the Braves. Here's Marcakis. This is a guy who does not hit home runs, (laughs) like ever. (laughs) I think he – I can probably count on one hand how many he had last year. But here he is, ninth inning. Sound on, Rob. One out, ninth inning. This is an interleague game against the Blue Jays, and that's a no doubt about it shot. I mean, that's right in the wheelhouse. Wilmer Font, I think that's his name. Uh, that that's a walk off. Braves win that game. They they win it four three nine and five at the time. They are not having as much fun tonight, though.
0: They were practicing social distancing on the celebration. I don't know if you peeped that.
1: Brian McCann must have been around to, to that was, police talking,
0: them. Everyone was just...
1: <laughs> thirteen to one, by the way, in that Phillies to Braves game. And the Nationals have taken a three nothing lead with a Trey Turner home run over the Mets. Let's get to our next home run. Going to stick stick with the Braves here. Oh, much, much happier times earlier in the week. This
0: don't is box, uh, don't botch the pronunciation, do it.
1: I was gonna say, you want to do the honors of Ron, Ronald Acuna? There we go, Jr. Yeah, so Acuna has had a very rough start to the season, and we're gonna get more into his stats in a second here. But he didn't have a rough night, I think this is yesterday. Uh, this is down one against the Phillies. One guy on, he's gonna put him up two one, no problem there. He's gonna walk around with his giant chains. Um, that just can't be comfortable. I don't know how they play baseball like that. Um, but he, that. he doesn't seem to have an issue with it. And I don't really like his swing either, but that was a nice home run.
0: That was now also a, get, a really shitty pitch.
1: <laughs> what's that? <laughs> that
0: pitch was a really shitty pitch. That was a yeah, re- Yeah.
1: Really terrible. Uh, so that was his first one of the game. Now he's starting to feel a little bit. I like that bat, though. That's a nice grip. Or this is uh, 2 nothing. Oh, yeah, so 2 nothing Braves. Is this a, the second day, second game of yeah. a doubleheader? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So this is now the second game of a doubleheader. Same day, same results, different location. This is an opposite field job. Didn't need Joe Adele there. And yeah. uh, there's the second home run of the game. Cunha thanking God, stepping on home plate, social distancing, doing all the right things. Here he is now up again. Shirt sure, looks maybe like it's open a little bit. Chain's still there. 4 nothing Braves, insult to injury. Opposite field again, you like to see that. Two opposite field home runs in the same game. That one's gone into the cutouts. Uh, have we seen a cutout explode yet? I have not. Not mm-hmm.
2: yet. Yeah. All right,
1: uh, that's what I'm rooting for. If we're going to do these dumb cutouts, I want to see some of them explode with home runs.
2: <laughs> I agree. I shout to shout out community. to the um, to the unis. I love those unis for the Phillies, man. There's like throwback unis. Uh, yeah, the uh, uh, powder throwback.
1: blue of the 80s. So there, there is your uh, Acuno day. He had a great day, three home runs. Now let's get to a little bit of joy. I've been making fun of the Angels all day long. Let's show him... The GOAT goat himself, Mike Trout, he had a hell of a week uh, after his kid gave birth. He came right back in and, and picked shit up. So here's earlier in the week. This is against the Mariners. There's Mike Trout with his, like, half swing that somehow goes 407 feet. I don't know how he does that. Um, there's Trout again. That's a little wall scraper, his second home run. Here's Trout again. That's his third home run. Here's Trout again. And this one's no doubt about it into the middle middle deck there. Uh, that one, a whopping 402 feet. They weren't particularly amazing ones, this one on his birthday. Uh, but they were Mike Trout home runs, and he had four of them this week. I think that is the clubhouse leader. Although I think maybe Jesus Aguilar maybe had four also for the Marlins. But uh, we're going to highlight Trout here because he did it in style on his birthday after coming back from the birth of his child. So good if for Mike Trout. Noticed,
0: if you notice, every single one of those home runs, he doesn't get all of it. He's right. either reaching. He just he he doesn't get all of it, which is insane.
1: Yeah, I get the benefit of replay here as we Look, watch our our Facebook feed. feed.
0: That's not- he had to reach a little.
1: Yeah. It, he was out in front a couple times, too, it looked like. Uh, just, I mean, the bat speed is unbelievable.
0: He's picture perfect, man. He's a perfect baseball player. He's literally the perfect baseball player.
1: Yeah. He was – he reminds me so much of LeBron in that if you, like, went into a lab and created someone for their sport physically, that you'd get Mike Trout for baseball, you'd get LeBron for basketball. They're just like – Well, his
0: attributes are at 100 and there was, like, none left, and then so that just went to personality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. All his player attributes at at 100. Yes. And personality, donut.
1: Unlike LeBron, Mike Trout is boring as shit and loves weather. Uh, so, yeah, he, he he got it all physically, not much of it uh, anywhere else. So those are Mike Trout's home runs, though. I mean, always a pleasure to watch him. You don't get to do it often, especially in October, so I'm glad we had that moment there. Uh, speaking of things that are sad about October let's get into our boon-headed play of the week and because none of you wanted to submit anything that could top our man I we've got another think, Aaron Boone moment I think
0: we yes. have a scoring update yes
1: a we scoreboard go. update first. scoreboard update and then Henry why don't you tell us about the Aaron Boone moment but uh know. yeah Rob what, what do we have going on with the scores
2: okay going to the bottom of the six uh Philly's still on top 13 of one against the Braves. We got the Nats up on the Mets 5 nothing. That's uh, bottom third. Uh, we have one nothing score with the Red Sox against the Rays. That's the bottom of the first. And uh, there's still no score between the, Red, the White Sox and the Tigers. That's it. <laughs>
1: there you go. Not a, not a nice night for the Mets.
0: Um, yeah, so I, I understand Aaron Boone did not like being replaced in his very own segment here. So he wanted to come back strong, and, and strong he did. James Paxton, who's been just atrocious this season for the Yankees, has no velocity. He's been getting spanked every outing. Does not give us length. Gets taken out early. Goes ahead and has decent. Has a very good outing. Has uh, 87 pitches, 11 Ks in the sixth inning. Now, what pissed me off about this is in the post-game interview, they asked Aaron Boone what was the target number of pitches. Aaron Boone said 85 to 90 pitches. So here Paxton was at 87. He reached his limit. Got 11Ks, did a hell of a job. Yankees were winning at that point. This is the way you have to manage. This is the way you have to, you know, outplay the player and you have to, you know, mindfuck them, kind of say, okay, you had a great outing. I'm not going to put you out there for the seven. I'm going to let you ride this for the next five days. Bring in our ridiculously insane bullpen, which the best in the majors. What does he do? He brings him back for the seven, gives up a two-run home run. Yankees end up losing the game by one run. Aaron Boone, your head of the week.
1: Yeah, and I mean, he's been a boonhead of the season, really of his entire managerial career. But this year, I feel like he's taken it to a new level of incompetence because this team is so loaded. I mean, they're loaded. They have great... Uh, yeah, the starting pitching, I get it. It hasn't been wonderful. But let's look at another example, right? Paxton finally looks like he has it together. He struck out 11 in that game, even without his best fastball.
0: Here's my prop. That's my issue right there. He struck out 11. He went to a lot of breaking balls but his fastball is still in the top 94.
1: Right. His fastball's not back yet, but if Paxton can pitch like that without it, he's fine. And, Garrett Cole, is, right. and Garrett Cole is fine. And Jordan Montgomery had one bad start. I get it. Um, but he's overall, you know, he's he's been okay. Um, and then you've got Hap, who has been terrible. And Hap, I don't expect to last the season for several reasons. One is if he – if he does his contract vests for next year, which would just be a totally asinine decision by the Yankees. And two is that he's terrible. He was terrible last year. So the leash at this point has to be very short. And you have Clark Schmidt, their top pitching prospect, who's major league ready by all accounts and per- by, you know, by, by all uh, observation. So yeah. I don't expect Hap to last very long. Um, and then, of course, missing in this is Tanaka. This is another decision that made, makes me irate. Tanaka's in his second start. Second start back from from uh, the – he got hit in the head by Stanton spring training. He missed the beginning of the year. He came in late, um, had his first start. It looked pretty good, but I think ran out of gas. His second start, he throws 59 pitches. His first start, I think he threw more than that. I think he threw 60-something. So this isn't a situation where he shouldn't be ramping up. Like, he should have been at 75, 80 pitches, and he was cruising – against the Rays. I mean, flat out dominant right. against That's the Rays.
0: Pitch is nothing.
1: No, 59 pitches in five innings, Boone takes him out. Uh, and then he goes to, I can't remember the details now. I think he went to the Yankees like B-list relievers. This is what drives me nuts. If the Yankees are tied or down a run, Boone goes to the, t- to the like underbelly of their very deep bullpen, like their sixth, seventh, and eighth best relievers. If the Yankees are winning, almost regardless of how much, he goes to their A-list, which is like Adovino and Britton and uh, Chad Green and ev- eventually are this Chapman. Like, those are the A-list guys. He goes to them so sparingly, and he doesn't do it in close games. It's the weirdest thing. That whole Philly series, the Yankees could have swept them if Aaron Boone just does logical things, and he doesn't. And then it's the Rays, and he chooses to rest two of his best players in that series. He chooses to go to his B-list relievers against a division rival. You bury the Rays there if you're the Yankees and you're up six games. If the Yankees Yankees took three out of four instead and three of those games were close, if the Yankees take three of four there, they're up six games with only like 45 games left. That's the perspective you have to think of it in. Instead, he just lollygags around – he lets Paxton stay in. His pitch count doesn't matter. He pulls Tanaka too early. His pitch count doesn't matter. Not going to go to the relievers. The doubleheader, he has like some weird plan with Avalon or whatever pitching in a big spot. He leaves Holder in for a second inning. All of these things make no sense. And they lose three out of four. Now the Yankees have lost five of their, of their last seven. That enorm- They had a four-game lead going into the weekend. Now it's down to two. They're 10 and 10-6. They've got Stanton injured. And all of a sudden, you're not as optimistic, and it's ninety-five percent of the reason why is because Aaron Boone manages the way he does.
0: I agree. You, we it, we both can't stand him, so that's why the segment is named after him. And two of the three weeks, he's uh he's made sure he's in there.
1: Yeah, it's uh, uh
0: I forgot to share a text message I got. Um, I got a text message from Stephen Matz. Stephen yeah. Matz texted me that there's no way we can have Dongs of the Week segment and not include him. So he went out, and he made sure he gave up three dongs to his Drubal Cabrera, Trey Turner, and a moonshot to Juan Soto. So
1: He's got, oh, Juan Soto getting on the board. We might we we, may um, have, we might feature him that, there.
0: That's all tongue-in-cheek, but more importantly, breaking news, breaking news. Foolish, Indians right-handed pitcher Mike Clevenger went out with Zach Polisek on Saturday night, and he will quarantine.
1: What a moron. I mean, the Indians mm-hmm. especially should not be do like the players shouldn't be you have a golden opportunity if you're Cleveland here.
0: Yeah. I, I don't I don't even know what the I have to re- refresh myself with the MLB protocols are for quarantining. If it's two weeks, man, that's that's a bag. I thought I know, it, I, 14 days I, I have to double check. Yeah, they they basically said he's gonna quarantine them. So here's the thing what what makes them send one player home and not the other? Talent. <laughs>
1: So, yeah, Playsack is uh, battling for the fifth spot. I think the rumor was he was going to be made a reliever before he
0: went out. Clevenger is a well-known stoner, man. So, now I want to know where they went. Yeah, right. (laughs) I want to know where they went, whose house they went to, and how much weed did they pick up.
1: Yeah. Uh, Red Sox up 3-0 on the Rays. They're doing things that the Yankees can't do, which is score runs against the Rays in Tampa, or I think that's in Tampa. Um, Boston. In Boston. It's in Boston. All right, so never mind. The Yankees play just fine in, in New York against them. Um, anyway, so, yeah. So, hey, look, the challenge is still out there, guys. I, you know, you guys root for managers like Joe Madden. There's got to be situations this week that you're just scratching your head. So, please submit them into Baseball Life. All you have to do is make a comment, whether it's in a game thread or its own post, and just tag me or Henry or Rob. Um, so we can keep track of them. Otherwise, you're going to get just bombarded with just the worst of Aaron Boone because, trust me, there's at least two or three scenarios a week that we're going to be able to point out with Boone. So if you want to have your manager top him, please make sure to tag us. And you can also do it for highlights and home runs. Um, We basically pick these.
0: I just want to point out a few uh, players doing a few things this year. Right now, Fernando Tatis leads the league with an insane 1.226 OPS. Wow. Charlie Blackman, a guy that I give a lot of shit to, I give Charlie Blackman credit. Man, Charlie Black- Blackman's credit, in second in OPS, leads the league in on-base percentage and is hitting a whopping 458. He leads both in on-base percentage and average. Raise your hand if you had Donovan Solano, second baseman of the San Francisco Giants, with a 455 batting average. No one. Oh, wow. Uh, Judge and Tatis are both tied for eight home runs on the season. Nick Castellanos, who just went off himself, at seven. Let me see. Uh, strikeouts, strikeouts, strikeouts. I know you guys love to get on Aaron Judge with the strikeouts, and he is tied for 30th in MLB, 33-0. <laughs> get off his dick. Yep. Number one, Evan White, first baseman of Seattle. 27 strikeouts, number two, Ronald Acuna, 25, number three, Dansby Swanson with 25, number four, Peter Alonso, Judge, Judge Jr., and Marcelo Suna with 23. So get off Judge's dick with his 18 strikeouts.
1: That's weird. I heard from so many Mets fans, among other fan bases, that Aaron Judge uh, is just a guy who strikes out a lot and has a lot of power. This is what, like, Judge seems to have the reputation of someone who's an all-or-nothing guy, and he does strike out a lot. He's six foot seven; that's unavoidable. But, um, but he also hits like two eighty to three hundred when he's healthy, and has a four hundred on-base percentage. That seems to be the part that I think people just choose not to acknowledge.
0: Some, not all. Some on the fan base already do the Alonzo better than Judge thing, and I laugh because we went through this shit with Michael Conforto before. Right, yeah.
2: Can you, can you, uh, you say, can you say uh, sophomore slip right now with Opie Alonzo? The,
0: yeah. I, I like Pete Alonzo. I'm going to root for him. Yeah, guys, oh, I love Alonzo. Me too. I love Alonzo I, I love, too.
2: But I'm a yeah. big Alonzo
0: fan, but I'm a bigger Jeff McNeil fan. I've said that since they hmm uh-huh. I just like
1: players – like Judge and Alonso where they're just like massive human beings and hit the ball very hard as long as they're not like 220 hitters which would drive me nuts if you can hit for average and you can hit home runs that far like you're going to pique my interest and if you're six foot five or taller that's going to be like just menacing so yeah I'm a big Alonso fan
0: have either of you guys heard of Donovan Solano before
1: yes okay I Rob think you? he was in the Yankees organization at some point. Yes.
0: I, yes, he was in 2016. He played for the Yankees. They hit 227, left us, hit 330, and now it's hitting 455. 32 that's, year old. I mean, look, that's like like a Milky
1: know. Cabrera storyline.
2: Who knew? Story
1: Who knew? I, I wonder if Solano's going to make his own website.
0: He's 32 years old. You don't just get better at 30 years old. So.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's a hanger on for sure. But unless you're
2: but on. I'm glad.
0: Let's you know, not go there. Those are the stories you like to hear.
1: Yeah, oh, we are. There's a request in here to give Otani some love, so let's give him love the only way we know how. Um, yeah, Otani has <laughs> once again blown his arm out, and uh, he will not be pitching the rest of the year. Shocking to everyone, I know, but um, yeah, I think we announced that last week. Otani is now a glorified DH who's hitting under 200, and um, and I think he's got four home runs this year. So great, modern day Babe Ruth, go Otani.
0: He is hitting. Bear with me.
1: It's like 172, right?
2: Is it that low?
0: And,
1: and what's crazy
2: know. is that a lot of analysts oh, he's hitting 375.
1: Uh, yeah. No, he's not. Yeah, uh, he is. No, and, he's not. There's no way. Can I, I, can I say something quick? Yes.
2: Yeah. So a, a lot of analysts are still trying to say that Montani should remain as a as a pitcher. Like I don't, I just don't understand. Why I mean, they he, shouldn't do that? He, he's young
0: enough to bounce back. If hey, he has oh, it, Tommy Down surgery, you throw it out the window, and you, you don't let him pitch on them.
1: Yeah, he's hitting 171 with a 227 on base percentage.
0: What am on website. Huh, what did I
1: miss? Yeah, in, you know, 41 at-bats. I'm sure he'll get better than that. But he's got a whopping 660, uh, 666 OPS. No surprises there. Um,
0: 666, the market of the yeah. beast.
1: But anyway, I'd, uh, I said from day one, I think I said this last week, too, I, Otani should have been a hitter from day one and not a pitcher hitter. I understand that it was, you know, the premise was he was going to do that and he was going to choose a team that had a plan to do that. But I never liked it. You just don't mess with that kind of cost control for a guy who can hit like he can. He, he's a fantastic athlete. His value would be—he'd be a four or five WAR player, I'm sure, if he was just a hitter. But now, by making him a pitcher and a hitter, he's injury-prone, and uh, and you have to go through this every year. I just—I didn't like it then, and I especially don't like it now that he's had several setbacks as a pitcher.
0: There is one stat I wanted to highlight: uh, man Carlos Santana, the ageless one that leads the league in walks with 23. The next closest person is Brandon Nemo at 14. Carlos Santana is hell of an eye.
1: He is going to go down as an unbelievable career, I think. For what? I mean, nobody pays attention to Carlos Santana.
0: Yeah, here's the thing he's only hitting 188.
1: <laughs> That's
0: Carlos Santana, man. He, he
1: only has to hit 188 to have a 400 on base percentage.
0: That is crazy. Yeah. He walks, which is insane.
1: That is a lot of walks. Uh, who hits behind him, I wonder?
2: Because that guy must feel like shit. Not Lindor, right? No, or Ramirez.
1: That'd be the world's worst strategy if you're walking Santana (laughs) that many times and Lindor's waiting on deck. It's got to, I guarantee you it's someone under, underwhelming. Mm
0: -hmm. Somebody quick, one of you guys, who leads the league in doubles? Doubles? Doubles. I don't know. I, I don't even have a
1: guess for that. Stanton.
0: You wouldn't guess it. You could I give you a hundred guesses, you wouldn't guess it.
1: <laughs> In the AL you're talking about, or all of baseball?
0: All of baseball. Hans or Alberto.
1: Yeah, it was not.
0: I would have hundred
1: guesses before I even got to the Orioles. Yeah. And then yeah. he wouldn't be my first guess on the Orioles.
0: He leads the league with seven.
1: Wow. Um anyway, so yeah, so there you go. That was your boon-headed play. That is, that's your, those are your baseball updates for the week. Let's get into one more segment here. That is what we are watching this week. Um, I've got Braves-Marlins, and I'm choosing it because I think it's fascinating right now. I'm, I'm going to ride the Marlins while I can. They're 7-3, and three, so there's a big disparity in games played. They've only played 10, whereas the Braves have played 17. Uh, but they're playing for first place. And it's very unlikely they won't be playing for first place by the time that series comes on Friday. So I'm excited for that. I'm, you know, That's the, a good test for the Marlins to see where they're at as a team. And they've been doing it with, like, rookies from their alternate squad who had to come in for the COVID guys, like Monty Harrison. So I'm excited to, to see the outcome of that series. I have no idea who's pitching for either team. Couldn't name you most starters on the Marlins. And the Braves, everyone's dead. So <laughs> I'm not doing it for the pitching. I am doing it for the matchup. That's my matchup. Henry, what do you have for your game of the week? I'm,
0: I'm also going with the series. I'm going with the Dodgers and the Padres. Uh, both of them looking up at Colorado. Both of them need to catch Colorado. Um, those top three teams are separated by two and a half games. So that series could be big for the team and, you know, gain some ground on, uh, on Colorado. So I'm going to go with the Padres and the Dodgers.
1: That's a good one. What do we have, Rob?
2: Well, now since the whole uh, news with the with the uh, Indians pitchers um, came came out today, I, don't, I feel like switching my my game of the week. But uh, but now I'm gonna stick to it. I'm gonna stick with the the Cubs and the Indians this week. Well, That's my game of the week. Um, rematch of the 2016 World Series. I mean, it would, it would have been a good matchup, but now Clevenger is uh on, he's um quarantined, but still could be a good game. Who knows.
1: Rob, do you know if Bieber's pitching in that series?
2: I believe he it he
1: is. That's a good that's a good test. You'd like to have Clevenger there too. That's a good test for the Cubs, uh, yeah. just to see if their flaws can be exposed by a team with a pitching like the Indians have, which is like unlimited pitching. Um, so yeah, that's a good series. That's a good pick, Rob. I uh, I'm I'm looking in here, Alan. I had answered it earlier. The Cardinals can't go to their rookies because they have to get they have to confirm the guys who are playing on their roster don't have COVID first. They have to wait a certain amount of tests, and then they'll they'll likely quarantine out the guys uh, who have it and bring in the the alternate guys, and then you'll probably lose a bunch of games, and you'll probably play a million days in a row. So that's the story with the Cardinals.
2: Good,
0: good, good. Um,
1: yeah, looking here, uh, 3-1, Rays got on the board. Nationals up 5 nothing. Phillies up 13-1 to still. So nothing really going on. The Yankees have a day off, first time in like two weeks. Uh, like I said, they just played six games in four days, so they need it. Uh, but yeah, we'll be back same time next week, Monday, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, we have the Audible tomorrow, again, football life. I think they've been having an uptick, so I don't know if it's you guys or someone else, but definitely keep joining them. They do a great job. That's Football Life, Tuesday, 7 p.m., same time, the Audible. Um, But most importantly, come back next Monday, 7 p.m. Eastern time. That's your next episode of Dong City. On to 28. That should be uh, another meaningful one for us Yankee fans. So uh, we'll be back here next week. And pay attention to those managerial decisions, home runs, and highlights. Please tag us throughout the week. We'd love to get the, uh, the assistance. Yeah, I'm calling you the Dong Squad until you start doing your job.
0: Then we'll think of a name.
1: This has been Dong City. Everyone, have a great night.
0: Dong City, bitches.
1: Peace.